Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Bent with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I said, in every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have? We have country singer and songwriter Sterling Drake with us today. He released his debut EP, Roll the Dice, in October of 2021. Roll the Dice marries the production value and elements of old country from the past, perfectly blended with the sound of today's modernized country hits. And we're excited to have him on the show. So welcome yes. to the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> taking your time this Christmas Eve to uh, to chat. Oh, you know, we've done so many interviews. It's like, you know, yeah. we don't want to slow down. And we're no. like, <clears throat> and we're taking tomorrow. We're taking off, tomorrow but, off, yeah. of course. But, and Sunday. But yeah. we didn't want to slow down at all. No. <laughs> good, good. Good. So this last 18 months have been rough for a lot of people, especially in music and entertainment. And I always want to talk about that a little bit, too. Uh, so how has COVID affected you and what have you done to maneuver through it? Um, Man, it just uh, I think everybody's had to adapt to it, you know, and I, I think a lot of creative types are the the arts of something that they're kind of the first to go when, when mm -hmm. society mm -hmm. has to go through a lockdown. I don't want to sound like we've been hit any uh, particularly harder than anybody else, but I do think you notice that in society. Uh, we were in Nashville around the time the lockdown happened, and it's pretty interesting because that town without music is just a town. <laughs> and you see that really, really yeah. quick when all of a sudden music's gone. Music Rose closed their doors, and Broadway's not playing music, and you know all the bars are shut down. You're like, wow, this is mm -hmm. just a town. So. Um, I spent time uh, back out in Montana through the through the lockdown for the, a while. I came back here to my parents' farm and helped with, uh, board, we boarded some horses and trained a couple horses. And I think after about a couple months of doing that, about two or three months, I, uh, I went back uh, to Montana and worked on a ranch out there. Um, it's great to see your folks, but after a while, you're, you're like, I'm glad I moved away from home. But <laughs> yeah. no, I love my parents. And I'm glad to be here this Christmas season. Awesome. We didn't get to see them uh, last last year. We were out um, pretty snowed in heavy on the ranch in Montana. So we, we, wow. we stayed there. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking about Nashville, we visited for the first time this year, actually. We did. And we've and been we four, four times. We went four times this we year. We loved it so and much. And you're right. If it's shut down to where there's no you know, no Broadway, no music row, no none of that, oh, wow. Nashville yeah, would not be the same. Without that. No, it loses its beautiful identity. It loses its uh, charm or its magic when the music's gone. And and most importantly, when the music musicians aren't there, it's those musicians that yeah. uh, whether they live there or do work there or just yep. uh, yeah. uh, frequent there, it's um, it's that energy of like being in, in a beautiful little hole in the wall in that town and you just don't know who you're going to run into. And uh, that's <laughs> yeah. the best part about it. There's some people you meet there. You know, I spent some time in and out of there and uh, and you meet some folks there and you don't, it takes a while to realize they don't even live here. They're just, they're just passing through every time we're playing a show and you're like, you're thinking they're here, but now they're just visiting every time you've seen them. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I always tell people, you know, I don't care if you don't like big crowds, you don't like all the loud music and all that. If you're in Nashville visiting, you have to go on a Friday or Saturday night down to Broadway. You have to experience it at least, it once, at least yeah. one time in your life, no matter if you like it or not. Well, you know, I, I, I would say I agree. Uh, I think <laughs> there is something crazy about that. You know, it's a unique experience. And uh, yeah. I think I was 17 the first time I ever went down there. I was oh, wow. on tour of the band. Oh, wow. I wasn't old enough to even get in the bars. We had no clue, you know, and I just remember seeing like every single bar. There's like 
three stories and every story had a band on it and there's just so many mm-hmm. musicians and like bottom line is it doesn't matter what music you play it's just amazing to see that and um but that being said there's music for everybody down there it's it's yep. gotten pretty commercialized and i hate to sound jaded about it but um at the same time there's roberts western world there's uh, acme feed and right. seed and mm-hmm. there's a lot of venues that put on good shows and support a lot of the traditional yeah. artists yeah. too so there's something for everybody you also don't have to go on friday night you can go on a Wednesday morning, go to yeah. Ernest Tubbs Record Shop and go stop in Layla's yeah. and see a bluegrass Absolutely. band. You know, there's- well, the reason I say the Friday or Saturday night is because that, you get to experience it with the crowds too. You can you can come back in the middle of the day if you want to yeah. just. But you we know, loved it. We, we loved it all different day, times. Yeah. But and we're not a crowd person. But again, yeah. it's, it's it's different yeah. when you walk down there yeah. about 10 p.m. at night, mm-hmm. and they got the Broadway closed off. And um, and you can walk in the middle of the roads, and you just hear music from every side. People walking everywhere. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's just oh, the, that about our nine year old. The first time we ever went on they, Broadway. The first time, time we ever in Nashville. Huh? First time in Nashville that night. We're we're walking, and we in we're in front of Honky Tonk Central, and the, per, the drummer in there hands somebody a drumstick to, to, to give it to little Chris. So he gives it to him, and we thought that was the coolest thing. And then we crossed the street, and we're in front of Dirk Bentley's row, and we're listening to the music there. And the lady singer on stage there saw that he had a drumstick in his hand. And she, watching the music. And watching, intently, and she uh-huh. jumps down, says, how would you like to play drums with us for a song? So because of that drumstick, they pulled him in through, through the, the window, window onto the stage, and he got yeah. to play drums with them for a whole song. Yeah, so and that was our first experience in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, really great. Yeah, everybody, it's one of those Nashville moments, man. You don't know who you're going to run into, and of all, I mean, anybody, all walks of life. You, a lot of notable uh, celebrities make their way down there too, oh, yeah. or songwriters, nobodies, mm-hmm. and everybody in between show up there. So, <laughs> yes, um, yes. But uh, you know, we play down there when I'm in when I'm in Nashville. Yeah, uh, we play down on Fridays eight to ten at Acme Feed and Seed. Oh, wow. oh, Actually, awesome. Acme right here. I got my coffee mug here. My parents oh, up. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, you know they um yeah, that place is amazing too. Again, like we we play that that prime time slot. We play that eight to ten. Oh, you wow. know where it oh, just great. starts to get going and. Um, yeah. Uh, we luckily curate a pretty uh, uh, hospitable crowd uh, at Acme. They've got a good demographic, oh, cool. and awesome. um, they like to they they don't throw too many requests at you. And <laughs> they know when we play, we yeah. preface we're not playing your music for you. Or you know, you're glad you're here, but we play country music and only country music. And yes, and yeah. when I mean country music, I mean the good country music. You know, <laughs> someone of like play some Sam Hunt, and I'm like, ma'am, I only know country music. I'm sorry to. so um you know a lot of people would ask when did you know that when did you know you wanted to be a musician but i like to go deeper than that when did it click for you that this could become a career that's a better question i agree i i think a lot of people ask that first question and um i think for anybody who's musically inclined i can't speak for everybody but for maybe at least for myself um it's just the most inevitable thing that uh, that that I had. I mean, uh, it's just been the creative pursuit has been something I've had access to. Um, it's as natural as someone being gifted mathematically or yeah. or inclined yeah. to be good with numbers. Um, music has been around. It's uh, hasn't been much effort to continually play music. If that makes sense, I've just been a music. Mm-hmm. I like to think yeah. of the world in yeah. terms of music. And uh, I started as a drummer 
I played guitar and always liked writing songs and learned how to sing eventually. And um, no matter where I was in life or what stage of life I was in, uh, whether I was a student in high school or working with horses and, and whatever pursuits I had, music was like a constant. You don't need much to do music. You know, you just need a guitar and, a, and then you want to write songs, you just need a notepad, you know. So um, it's easy to keep in my life. And then I think at one point I realized it's kind of the most specialized, one of the more specialized uh skill sets i have and mm -hmm. i uh i didn't pursue a college degree i didn't do any of that stuff i was working on a ranch and uh playing music in all sorts of different bands and so at some point instead of trying to lie to myself and think eventually i'm gonna get conventional here and i'm gonna go do the conventional route i looked at the things i like to do which was working with horses and 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 music and thought maybe it'd be more honest to myself to uh, yep. yeah just go all in on those I, I did i did eventually when i moved to nashville uh started getting a basic degree in business for a while i was in an mm -hmm. online program still playing i was drumming for a lot of people and i was writing down on music row and then i got an internship for a publishing house and got to work yeah. in the back end of the music nice. industry and and while i enjoy that i, I definitely do i just realized maybe my heart wasn't in in that side of things yeah. at least at yeah. this stage and uh, if there was ever a time to really pursue the artist artistry full force um this was a good time so i've been able to balance maybe some passions of my own and and uh stay have a well-rounded career in a sense out of the two the two things i do and it's been a very fulfilling life <laughs> you know something you said a while ago made me think of um steve Har i remember steve harvey was asked um how do you know when you've been called to this and i'll never forget what he said he said it's that thing that you do effortlessly that everybody else thinks is amazing oh yeah yeah and, yeah and, i think to your so question true. before like you asked like what was that point um and i think for myself it was not only but a couple of years ago when i uh i was like you know, I've always, always been pursuing music, but I had in my head that I need to be in school or something. You know, I yeah. left the ranch, yeah, yeah. went to Nashville, went to school online, got an internship, tried all that out and thought like, this is the inevitable path. This is where you're supposed to go. It's, so it's a lot more conventional than all these other things I'm doing. But then when I just didn't feel the fulfillment there and, and honestly, not, not even it was, it was reflective in the, in my work ethic too. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. putting in the effort I put into other things. And so um it just kind of became a point where i realized that wasn't panning out the pandemic also happened and and a lot of those jobs evaporated in the music industry and mm -hmm. so it was we were all stuck away and i could go back to the ranch and i got to do that and realize i got some great opportunities out in, in montana through that and worked with uh, some excellent horse trainers that uh, i've been i had the privilege of working for some very accomplished horse trainers out there and realized that was turning into something that was developing and progressing. And then the music, the music stuff was progressing in a way where I was like, maybe I don't need to, you know, quit fooling myself. I, I think it's that societal pressure people put on you, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, and that's what the sad part about society is I've, you know, I've got friends of mine that you sit down with them and they've been say 12, 15 years in their career. And I'm not talking about entertainer, but in their regular career and they're miserable. And you sit down with them and you talk, you know, how can you be miserable? You know, you've got this great lifestyle. You've got the great family. You've got this amazing career. And and many of them will stop you and say, well, the career is the problem. And you're like, well, how is that the problem? You went to all this schooling for this and that. And then when you really get down to it, you find out 
that they didn't do it for themselves. They said their friends, their relatives, their parents, whoever, guidance counselor said, look, what you want to do, there's no money there. Here's where there's money. So go right. chase that. And now that they've wasted 15 years of their life and they're completely miserable. And sometimes they don't, it might not even be as direct as that. Sometimes it might be a, like um, subconsciously just following societal norms and, and you don't even realize you're, that's not what you want to do. You're just kind of going through the check marks of like, well, it would make sense if this is what I want to do with my life. I'm, I have a certain acumen that makes me prone to doing this sort of trade. And this is the one that's reasonable. And then, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's not clicking for you. It's just not there. It's like, it's like a relationship with somebody on paper making sense, but those sparks not being there. I could, exactly. you could probably draw that. that uh, we've been married 19 years and sparks have always been there, even through addictions oh, and all yes. that. They yeah. still been And there. all that. And, and uh, I have a, I'm blessed to have a, a, good, a young, but good relationship here um, uh, with myself and Mary Meyer, who's a other, uh, another musician. She's actually mm -hmm. featured on the record. Uh, she, we have a duet and she helped oh, wow. co-produce it. But um, you know, it's funny. It's almost the opposite. Like so many things, it becomes an effort to, logistically stay together because we both travel a lot but it's intuitively <laughs> makes sense we're very easy to work <laughs> together so so that it doesn't feel very labor you know there's not much labor involved in the relationship it seems mm -hmm. organic in, that, in and of itself and we're not worried <laughs> there we're other people they you, i don't know i'm we're blessed to have that i guess but. oh most oh, definitely absolutely. you know i mean yeah. that, that's just like you know we created this life and we don't have much money but we ain't never cared about that. We yeah. what we want to chase the dream, and we we we've probably launched over a hundred different business <laughs> ideas least, in our yeah. nineteen years that all failed, but oh, they yeah. kept us going enough to the next one and to the next one, and and then until we get to this show, and and all of a sudden we found something that we both really love. And yes. you know what? Um, I I would say that the accomplishments, the conventional accomplishments you make, whether it's financial. Or, um, you know, whether it's helped fund your lifestyle or or help supplement your lifestyle like those, whatever, when you when they come through that creative path or that pursuit of yours, they mean so much more. Um, mm -hmm. I know yes. I, I meet a lot of people on the road traveling and um, we just launched the record in October 1st. Right. So, we you know, mm -hmm. I, I spent the until just about now on the road every week somewhere uh, as far up as North Dakota and Montana, as far south is uh florida key west and um you know you meet all sorts of people and they're like man i love what you're doing man to have that and then i will say admittedly i'll meet somebody who's got the security i'm like yeah but you got the job the retirement <laughs> plan you got that's awesome but, but to me they're they're seeing something else and i'm seeing that other that other stuff but but i will say you know uh just to be able to afford a lifestyle to maybe be able to uh through through your passions as long as you're not that's burning the ultimate them out dream. And, and not is. and not abusing those pursuits um is very rewarding um and exactly. so that's why i've enjoyed the supplement of uh of supplementing my careers with, with other things like the uh, equestrian background and and ranching and stock and and cattle and um and then music and I, man i just love learning I, I worked as a hunting guide for a little bit um I love being outside and whether it's learning anything from construction, like those little pursuits that I had to do along the way. Well, we deliver get, food to keep our show afloat. So yeah, right. that, that's do. what I'm saying. And like those little that. things. And, and if you can <clears throat> turn those into little, if they're exciting and uh, if they can be engaging enough, it can, it can almost fuel your desire to continue doing what you're doing. I've worked yeah. a lot. I did logging along the way. I've done so many little things. Oh, wow. and, Oh, wow. You know, and, and it and gives you more of the right about too. Uh, 
What's yeah, that? It gives you more to write about too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it just kind of builds you as a character. And I think the writing wouldn't be there had I just like just done that. I think music for me, my lens of music is, uh, you know, American folk, folk cultural music uh, that that pertains to maybe a more rural or, or individualistic lifestyle. Um, doesn't necessarily always have to take place in the country for it to be country music. But um, I do think those, you know, the trades and, and all those things kind of fuel that narrative. And I think uh, you see a lot of people go and they write full time and not, not, not to discredit anybody, but I, I couldn't imagine being a full time writer living in town in a city, only writing songs. Like what else, what would you write about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of the stuff I write about yeah, is fueled by things I've done. And I think you can, you can take an archetypal story that everybody can relate to, but paint it in the lens that you see. And if mm -hmm. the lens that you see is something that's interesting to people, it's a very, it's a, it's married well in a great way. Um, I think that's why people like the whole cowboy story because they can pick out uh, facets of individualism. Uh, but through this very beautiful lens and uh, or unique lens, and people find it uh, find it very appealing because of that. Yeah. So I think pursuing other things and just living life and writing it down on songs has been my key. My if any success has come, it's been through that. Awesome. Love that. Now let's flip the script and go the other way. We talked a little bit about the the great part. Um, as you know, a lot of people, they see the glory of like a Blake Shelton, of a Miranda, of a Carrie, but they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles it takes, not just to get to their level, but even a career level within music. And I always want to talk about that side of it because I think a lot of people gloss over this. They're like, well, if I can sing, I got the talent, I'll make it. But we both know it takes a lot more than that. And if you're not willing to work, you can forget it. You're not going nowhere. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the sacrifices you've had to make to get to where you are even today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it is, um, it's almost, uh, I can't fathom it sometimes when you think of, you know, I'm, I'm 26 now, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm young and I'm, I'm green to, to just about anything. I don't think I've been here long enough to be a pro professional or just about anything, but, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I do think that you, it's the op other opportunities you could pursue in life. Um, that you're putting on the wayside to pursue. So you only have X amount of bandwidth in your life. And so when you, when someone who might have the uh, work ethic to be successful at music realizes that that could be applied in other facets of your life and probably reap the rewards of that a lot quicker than music and a creative passion, you know, I always joke, I think just my back office catalog of like booker, booking agents and promoters and all that I've gotten, like if I did any of this, as an assistant for any corporate job, this would be a valuable tool, but I do it just to, just to play shows. You know what I'm saying? The amount of back, yeah. that work you do uh, on the back end, it, it's like, you can't, people don't see that. And um, I do think it's romanticized in a way that um, you don't see how much effort goes into it and how, how much opportunity is missed and, and things you have to put to the wayside just to pursue that music. Um, yeah. For me, like, it's crazy what you think of and, and how quick it grows and how it can be very beneficial. But to just think like, uh, you know, just the connections I had to foster just to release, to release a record, to find the musicians to play on it or get it produced and uh, get it cut. And then on the back end of things. And then when it came to playing shows, what I had to do to just pay the bills, you know, now mm -hmm. I can't have the full-time job because I'm too busy here. So now this has to create enough income for me to keep the lights on. So that meant, you know, like selling the truck and buying a minivan. So that way I can drive to a show in Houston and then make it up to 
Indiana and then make it up and sleep in the car and do all that stuff for a while. And then, and, and that real, uh, when you leave the nest feeling, when you first start to do it full time, Mm -hmm. you know, people don't know that they don't see that. They don't see the, and they think even that's glamorous. So yeah, it can be in a way, it can can be in a way, but it is hard to see, you know, when you see other people in your life and what they've been able, you know, maybe they're, they're still in a conventional world and how comfortable they are. And then you're like, here I am. sleeping in a dang minivan in the winter, <laughs> you know, to, to play, to play a show to, to nobody, to hardly make any money to do, you know, all that stuff. It's, um, and, uh, I get the, exactly where you're coming from because so many of my friends, I mean, I'm 50 and almost everybody has kids that are in college now and they've been in their careers for years. They've got this great lifestyle. We're still been trying to find our way. We've got a nine-year-old and a, two-year-old. And a two-year-old. So, you know, we're started later in life with all this. And then we find this show and we're trying to make this thing work. And, you know, people see us get on the show for 30, 60 minutes and they think, oh, wow, there's glamour there. But they don't see the behind the scenes of us trying to make this thing work. I think that's kind of indicative of social media these days. <laughs> they kind of do paint a, a, a you people don't post the adversity. It's harder to capture that really to capture that emotion where it's easy to capture that one picture, uh, of the rewards of what you're doing. Uh, I get that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I post a lot of pictures that they're on, you know, ranching, whether it's been in Montana or Wyoming or in the Southeast or Texas or wherever. Um, some of the places have had the opportunity to work and, 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 uh, and do that stuff. But a lot of that is the end result of, uh, the other stuff, you know, like just working a winter in Montana, you're not as horseback <laughs> as everybody thinks you are. You're, you're feeding cows and, uh, you know, fixing frozen pipes and man, it's, you know, it's that stuff people don't, don't see. And, mm-hmm. but they do see that, uh, that end result when, when it's on the, you know, when someone sees a picture on the internet or something like that. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. man, you know, it is fun, but, uh, the pay is not so great. Yeah, and in this day and time, the time, on the ground, in this you know, day and time, you post that you got X amount of streams on Spotify, and they think, "Oh, you're making the money." And, they, <laughs> and, yeah, and, well, and when I it comes, conversation with my mom, I, you know, I'm home here, I'm back home here, and she's like, "Oh, I saw this artist." I'm like, "They look great." I'm not taking anything away from them, but you're seeing like maybe something that's had a lot of money put behind it. And while it looks like a lot of accomplishments, it's still a net negative for probably the amount of money they had to put in to, yeah, to create yeah. the result that they have there. You know what I'm saying? Like it takes a lot to get a little started in this, in this industry. And uh, so you might see a couple accomplishments on someone's page and then you're like, Oh, they're doing it. It's like, well, they probably had to put in a lot more than they got in back from yeah, that, yeah. That, that sort of deal. Because it takes and, years to get your money back. Yeah, and I, I do think that's something I've tried to um, to keep in mind as I've done music. It's a, I'm in it for the long game. I'm going to be doing this for a long time, and I, I, yeah. I genuinely enjoy it. And if you don't like uh, burn yourself out in the beginning and get yourself turned upside down financially, then your then your odds of, of garnering a, a genuine audience is probably higher. Um, yeah. I, I I don't find myself operating in that mainstream country world, uh, sonically and, and as far as infrastructure goes. Um, but, you know, we just came out with vinyl, finally got the vinyl out last uh, oh, last wow. week. And we're almost out yeah. of them. I mean, we, we cut a bunch of them and, uh, you know, we cut it like about a thousand just for this one run. And, you know, it's just un- unbelievable how a direct impact uh, or direct communication with our fans really really you know how that really pays off and um 
yeah, you know, we haven't had to pull out a massive amount of debt to get anything to happen. And I haven't had to, you know, sell my soul to the devil to play a fiddle <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel album, good. It, it's maybe smaller accomplishments, but they mean more because they're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're chugging along. And speaking of the album, you're going to play a song from it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to tell, tell us about the song yes, and then the floor do. is yours. Sure. This is a song. Um, there's a song I'll play you a song called Best of Tennessee. It's uh, just about my time spent in, in Nashville, the town we were talking about and, uh, oh, wow. and, uh, and what it, what it can do to somebody but for better or worse. So you know. uh, yeah. <laughs> haven't had a proper sleep since I moved to Tennessee. This big old city sure made a fool out of me. The nightlife through streetlights looks like it's done it to me. Looks like the best of Tennessee brings the worst out of me. I'm losing all my friends and I'm losing faith in everything I am And I can tell that they can tell by my smile I'm in hell And I'm hiding the doubt in my head And I'm spreading myself thin and it's showing up in every part of me Looks like the best of Tennessee brings the worst out of me. And I'm tired of being broke, meeting rich folks that chose to shake a hand. And through a tip jug and two jobs, I found out the price of this year, Ben. And at the end of the week, rent's due, I'll be on the street. Looks like the best of Tennessee. Looks like the best of Tennessee. Looks like the best of Tennessee brings the worst out of me. That's Tennessee. <laughs> oh, loved it. Great job, Alpha. Yeah, forgive me. I'm I'm operating with my dad's old nylon string guitar here. I didn't bring anything back home. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it was perfect timing for the song because, of course, we had no uh, people who watched this are probably going to think, "Oh, this was planned," because uh, we were just kind of talking about yeah. what you're talking about in the song. Really. Yeah. yeah. So it, it went perfect. So it went perfect with us with the show part. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I it's funny. I, it's not a, necessarily a diss on uh, Nashville or anything. It's just uh, it's it's a lot, man. You move to a city to pursue a, a creative lot of passion, and it it's exactly like you said. It's like the non-romantic side of of uh, of uh, of 
following your dreams, man. You know, I think it's one thing to declare you have a dream and it's another thing to truly follow it and sacrifice what it means, you know, what it truly means to sacrifice for that, mm -hmm. for that pursuit you have and, and hope you don't lose yourself along the way because it's very easy to do that. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cause that's the big thing that you see out there is, you know, and that, and, and we see it in every industry where, do, yeah. where people rise to the top and then they forget where they came from. Absolutely. I'm glad to say I'm, uh, I'm, I have, I'm in a better place uh, financially and emotionally than when I wrote that song. But sometimes I think everybody can relate to that sort of oh, pursuit, yeah. you know. So, What's yeah. funny is we've been noticing when you listen to the radio and the songs on the radio from country to hip hop to all that, that we've noticed that in country, uh, the songs that become hits are songs about talking about how broke you are. And the songs <laughs> that become a big hit in hip hop are songs about how wealthy you are. Yeah. I will say that uh, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think who, who was it said it, maybe Marty Stewart or someone, but country music is the, is, is uh, often comes from a place of, uh, of the downtrodden or, or, mm -hmm. or uh, oppression yeah. in, in and of itself. You can think of some of the old songs, even the positive songs are meant to uplift people from, from a hard place. You yep. know, some of the most yeah. successful writers like Hank Williams or, Jimmy Rogers, you know, the origin of all this stuff, like Johnny Cash. Yeah, you know, it comes from, and I think that's real. It's just music that people can relate to. I mean, that's something I've kind of had a gripe with. I think when you commercialize a form of music, I think rap music, uh, I can't speak too much about it, but I don't really have a qualm with it, but I will say I feel like it has become commercialized in, in a large part, and so has country music, but it almost paints a facade, and, mm -hmm. and it seems mm -hmm. the, the very, the, the very, uh, pasteurized version of the genre, uh, for lack of a better term, ends up being um, not as honest, not as sincere. And uh, but, but what, maybe that doesn't, I don't know why, though, for some reason. But um, You know, the but, good thing about music today, because, you know, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was different. But because you got, even though it, it's a double-edged sword with Spotify and all that, yep. yeah. um, there's also a plus that no matter what type of country music you like or what type of music you like, you can, find you can now find it. Tw yeah. 10 years ago, you couldn't. Yeah, you can. You can. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love like <laughs> I know I, a lot of people have a qualm about Spotify not paying their artists enough. And that might very well be very true. Uh, but I do think regardless of that, of the of all that, I think that the, these platforms, um, they uh they are such a tool. They're so empowering and, and yeah, at the same time, you know, I mean, I think about how many artists or songs from artists I like I've discovered through these platforms and you could just like, you get lost if you sat down, you <laughs> oh, know, you I, that's can. one thing I, I spend a lot of time on the road and I just get lost in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, the library of music that's on the internet, man. I love it. Like, I love it. I'm, I'm a big fan of old time bluegrass, old cowboy tunes, any of that sort of stuff. And you can just dig deep into yeah, she's some from real Kentucky deep stuff. Her dad loved bluegrass. Oh, yes. He yep. even had, for a short time played in a bluegrass band. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. And again, uh, yeah, there's so many there's so many corners of country music, you know, and, and that's one of those that I've, uh, I enjoy. <laughs> and that's what, I, again, you know, I know that some people are different on how they view country music. But to me, that's what makes country music country music is you you have a place for everybody. You know, if you're the traditionalist, there's yep. a segment there. If you like the pop country, there's a segment there. 
you know, so you know, yeah, if you like blues the Chris, blues country, Christian country, yeah, you know, you have a rock. segment for mm-hmm. everybody within one banner, and I kind of like that because then it gives a platform to make country music bigger than it's ever been. I think there's something there for everybody. I, you know, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's a when it's done best, it's music that represents more than just something that sounds good to me. Yeah. It's maybe just as my interpretation, but yeah. country music yeah. has, as more as a, <laughs> well, like a they say music. three chords and, and, and the, the truth. truth. Yeah. I think, I yes, think it's, yes. and it speaks to not only a good message, but a goal, a good time and place. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and has cultural relevance too. You know, I think that's, Big part like, of it. like you know, a lot of people don't like the radio version of Luke Bryan, but his song "Drink of Beer" is one of the most powerful songs out there. Mm, yeah. So That's I mean, true. again, like you said, there's yeah, something for everybody there. There's something for, for uh, you know, there's so much. Yeah, I I don't ever really find myself getting tired of it. I don't necessarily exactly. look at it almost as a genre, but as a lens to view music. To be honest, a perspective of music. Love that. Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> some of the best country artists were just country because. That's who they are. I think of someone like Roger Miller mm-hmm. or Glenn Campbell, mm-hmm. like they weren't oh, out there yeah. trying to say, I'm writing a country song. They just wrote a song and it was country. <laughs> yeah, they were <laughs> country. And, I mean, and how many people have taken in country some songs that were originally written for like rock and they turned it into a hardcore country song? Absolutely. I mean, it happened. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's like let's put some twang a little bit into it yeah, and let's, it, and bam, it yeah. sounds better as a country song. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, you can take a country song and make it not sound like a country. It's just yeah. a perspective exactly. of a way of viewing music or, uh, or performing music. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's all, <laughs> you know, and you know, a lot of people, they see you as the artist, but they don't see the team behind you. In our opinion, teams never get the they love they deserve mm-hmm. on our show. Teams get love. So take a few moments. Tell us about the team that helped you be who you are. Uh, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I think that's super important. Um, uh, it's musically, we've uh, had a, uh, I write a lot of the stuff and I've been able to write with a couple of buddies and Mary Meyer, my girlfriend's helped me. We've written a couple mm-hmm. songs and produced some of it together. Um, we've worked with some amazing artists, uh, I mean, musicians uh, uh, during all of this. Uh, Tommy White is the pedal steel player on, my last record, he plays down at the Grand Old Opry. Uh, he's played with everybody under the sun, including Lady Gaga, apparently. Oh, wow. Um, oh, wow. And uh, and uh, we've had Dennis Crouch on bass. He's amazing. Plays with Allison Krauss. He's played with uh, Vince Gill and Willie Nelson and uh, one of the founding members of the Time Jumpers uh, here in, or there in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, we worked with uh, uh, Charlie McCoy. Can't forget wow. him. He's a he's an uh, Country Music Hall of Famer. Uh, he's a harmonica player. Uh, worked with everybody. I think one of his first sessions. Don't quote me. Someone's <laughs> gonna get. If I mess up, someone will know. But uh, uh, I think one of his first sessions was with Patsy Cline and oh, wow. and uh, Brenda yeah. Lee and Elvis Presley and went on from there and worked with everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, I worked with him and Mark Thornton engineered the record and played some guitar. He he was Jerry Reed's guitar player for a long time and. Um, my good buddy Chris Weisbecker is a young young drummer in Nashville, Tennessee, but someone who's kind of been my right hand man for a lot of stuff has not only helped engineer and co-produce, but played drums on some some stuff. Um, and some younger players too. I, I love to mix a lot of the veterans with a lot of the young guys that truly have a reverence for this type of music. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's kind of gets passed around the the bucket of like friends and uh, that are that play this style of music. 
from a production standpoint, we'll demo something out and just kind of marinate on it and, and send it to some buddies and maybe play it in passing and just kind of get some ears on it from guys that truly like that type of music. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to have those sort of, uh, those sort of guys, um, in our camp and our circle. And then on the back end, uh, I work with my, my manager, Steve Emily, who's a, a, a veteran here in Nashville or there in Nashville, rather. Um, he's worked at, uh, with all sorts of folks, um, started out tour managing with Ricky Skaggs and, oh, wow. and just went on from there and has managed all sorts of different artists. And he's got an impressive roster right now, but he's been super helpful. Um, we work with Copperline Music for our distribution, uh, uh, Soul Step Records for our physical distribution, uh, Splash PR, who actually is yep. our connect here, yep. Vanessa yep. Davis yes. and Sherry over there yes. at Splash. They've um, helped me line a lot of this stuff up and uh generate radio promotions down in texas they've helped us uh garner some radio plays and interviews through through there down in the texas market and man I, there's too many people really to name but uh it's all the promoters too that help out that give you those shows that keep calling you back and uh help you build a market and um you know yeah and the, and the people that support you the the, the yeah. friends well, i should say fans but really friends that we've made along the way that have continued to uh, uplift this music and, and share it with people. Um, I think they go, they go by the wayside a lot, to be honest. Yeah. And that's why we always like to have the guests bring up the, the teams because they yeah, never, because so again, they do so much work mm -hmm. and like, and it really is, it takes a village. Yeah, really, it really does. And then I think about even in those compartments, I think about everybody at Copperline and everybody at Generate, everybody at Splash, everybody at, uh, Soul Step Records and all this. It's like, you know, it's a whole team behind it. It blows my mind. It's still not used to the fact that there's that many people that are for a living helping me make my music. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah. so cool. That's so cool. You know, they work with other artists, but but at some point in their day, I'm someone they think about. So that's cool. <laughs> and, you know, speaking mm -hmm. of teens, we have a third co-host, our nine-year-old. Yes, we do. That we bring on ask a couple questions. So Sandy's going to go get him. And we've yeah. got an almost three-year-old daughter that when she gets older, she'll be plugged in a show, too, because we are a family affair. <laughs> yeah. I should probably <laughs> talk about these guys. I play down to Acme Feed and Seed when I'm in town. And I've been fortunate to play a lot of places in that town. But they were one of the first uh, venues I got to bring a full band at. And they treated oh, me wow. like an artist, you know. Um, I talk about Nashville being crazy. I moved there and I found the promoter there had found me through someone's Instagram story of me just messing around singing a George Jones song at a karaoke bar in wow. town. And the promoter was like, Hey, who's that guy? Get him to sing here at Acme. So I got my full band <laughs> there because of them. But anyways, and, yeah, and we're so planning on moving out and we're planning on moving out to Nashville next year. Awesome. Good. I guess yeah. all you guys. Hey, buddy. Yeah, nice that, to meet you. you know, it's funny. After that story I told you about with him, he was like, he was sold on Nashville after that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff to, to do down there in Nashville. Okay. Hi, Stern. So what's your favorite food? My favorite food. Ooh, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's asked me that. Um, <laughs> that's such a good one. Uh, man, I just like, good steak nothing's wrong with like a good piece of steak and just a bunch of vegetables and like nothing else <laughs> sound good huh? yes what's yours mine is pizza pizza's good pizza's really good 
Uh, unfortunately, Tennessee's not necessarily known for their pizza, so and neither is Montana. Uh, so I, I seldom get a good good slice of pizza, but I do appreciate it. All right, so what's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Um, well, my favorite film ever was a, it was a mini series TV show in the '90s called Lonesome Dove. Uh, and Lonesome Dove was an amazing TV show. It was only four episodes, but they were about an hour long. So it was like a big movie. Um, that was great. And now currently that's on TV is that Yellowstone show. I actually yeah. had the opportunity to be uh, an extra in that show on, oh, wow. on a couple of these. So, so I'll plug that just because I got to be a part of it while I was out in Montana. That was fun. So, and what's your yeah, what about you? My SpongeBob. SpongeBob, that's that's my that's my close third. I'll tell you that right now. SpongeBob is great. And what's been really cool about our show is because we bring on not just musicians, but we bring on actors and actresses too. He watches a lot of the Nickelodeon and Disney shows, so we've been able to bring on quite a bit of the actors from his shows onto our show. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, SpongeBob is great. Yeah, and, and Caitlin, she our little Caitlin, she calls it Bob Bob. <laughs> 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 that's the cutest thing she goes she wants to see bob bob <laughs> for a little while we kept trying to figure out what's she talking about it finally dawned on us oh she thinks spongebob is bob bob yep sorry <laughs> it's, it's a hard one hard one to, to say <laughs> <laughs> okay so what's the fair movie well lonesome dove is kind of a tv show kind of a movie so if i didn't have to say lonesome dove um, Forrest Gump is pretty good. You ever watch Forrest Gump? Filmed right here in Savannah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Because that's Gump. where we're, we live out down here in Savannah. Good deal. <laughs> and what's yours? What about mine you? Is, mine is Minions movie. There you go. I haven't seen it, but I'll put it on my watch list. How about that? Yeah, all the Despicable Me's, Minion movie, and all they're all got the little Minion characters. They they built a really strong brand. Oh, I I can tell. I've seen. I know a lot about it for never seeing them, but we'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it on my watch list. How about that? Bye, thanks. Bye, thank you. <laughs> He's a tough yeah, he interviewer, wants, man. He wants to get straight to business. To the point. Yep. Substantive <laughs> questions only. Yeah. It's like, bam, bam, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he it. wants to do his own little podcast. We he told does. him next summer as we let him grow a little bit into this. Do like that, a 10 minute. 10 minutes with Chris type thing. Podcast. Man, those no. main, main news subs, you know, uh, uh, those news channels might get a hold of that kid. He might, he, they might put him to work. They might. <laughs> <laughs> he would love he that. He loves it. Oh, <laughs> so if you could co write with, any artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um, Roger Miller, no question. Oh. That's it, Roger Miller. Yeah, Roger Miller and John Hartford would be great too, but uh, I guess Roger Miller. Um, uh, there's awesome. so many amazing, amazing. If you say, if, if there are people that aren't around anymore, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great question. So uh, living, now, oh, living, I would say probably... Willie Nelson, because oh, that'd wow. be a good one. Yeah, that'd be a Love really good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, now there are probably a thousand answers to this question too. But just think of the first couple answers that come to mind. But but what's a song or songs that you've heard that you wish you wrote? Um. Uh. Okay, I have an answer for you, but it's gonna take me a second to dig for it. I think a lot of times you hear a song, and I understand what you mean. You're like, man, I. Wish I wrote that uh, after a while. 
after a while, it's like it's such a good theme of that song that you can't undiscover it ever again. It's like when you discover an amazing movie, it exists. You can't you can't rewatch it again. You've heard it. So it's I think "Gentle on My Mind" is a song we all we all probably know that was written by John Hartford and written by Glenn Campbell. I don't know how someone begins to write that song. I think that baffles me. I'm like, how do you put those words together in such a way? Um, uh, you know, m my uh, my girlfriend Mary Meyer's brother Johnny Meyer is another artist in Nashville and a truly amazing songwriter yeah. and. Um, uh, he released a song that he co-wrote with a, a, a man named Theo McMillan um, that uh, I'm going to forget the name because but uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they, anything they did any your wife, song they ever your wrote girlfriend's going to get you on that Myers one record, uh, they're amazing truly amazing songs I don't understand how they were able to to grasp grasp some of those con uh, concepts and put them in such a beautiful package so look up Johnny Meyer that would be my, my <laughs> answer to that Love that. Now, now back in 2015, we got a chance to interview Kelsey Ballerini before she was Kelsey, yes. as, a, as so to speak. And one of the questions I asked her was um, where she want to be in five years. And I always like to tell this story before I ask the guests that same question, because the answer Kelsey gave us five years ago, six years ago, was almost to the T of what she's living yeah, now. She's she living knew now. where she was mm -hmm. going. So knowing that, where do you want to be in five years? Man, I want to be doing... Uh what I'm doing now, but more of it. Uh, I just, um, continuing to, to play music to that audience, um, to that, that core audience of country music fans and play the dance halls in Texas, play the rodeos out West, uh, open for other artists and play and share the stage with other artists that fit in that world. And, uh, and still have time to work the ranch and work cattle and uh, and mm -hmm. continue to train horses. So just a little mm -hmm. bit more of what I'm doing. Just keep doing it. <laughs> awesome. And what would you like your legacy to be as an artist? What would you like to be known and remembered for? Oh, man. Um, being a nice guy. <laughs> I think maybe being someone who who uh, is, a, is approachable and reachable. I think if, if uh, there's one thing I would love to do is just, uh, be able to maybe inspire younger folks or just anybody to, to follow what they're doing um, and maybe set an example for how we don't have to live a conventional life to be success, to be happy or successful. And there's other measurements for success in life. And that doesn't even mean being a big famous musician. I think it means being able to uh, to afford the to lifestyle you that love. you want, doing the thing you love to do. And that doesn't that doesn't always translate as having your name name up in lights in the big tour bus. Uh, yeah. But it means maybe yeah. be, making an impact to the people that you're trying to reach. So love that. Love that. And if you could say anything to your followers and listeners, what would you want to tell them? Uh, thanks for listening, guys, especially on Christmas Eve here. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. And um, and just love everybody who's been uh, been following us and reaching out. And uh, don't be afraid to reach out. I I do get bogged down sometimes in and responding to people, but I try my best <laughs> to respond to everybody. So. Uh, yeah, anybody who's at this stage wants to listen and support the music, uh, I consider you friends, not fans at this point. So thank I you. I love that. Oh. Now, as we close out with the last question, if you had a friend of yours and you heard him or her sing and they have something special, as Simon Cowell would say, they have that it factor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, they feel, but they feel called it. They haven't played a lot of shows, but they're still getting their feet wet, but they feel that this is it. This is what they're supposed to do with the rest of their life. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them the next few years? 
Man, um, it's hard to come up with one particular advice, but I'd say um, consistency. Grow a good work ethic and be consistent and treat it. Um, I think you need to marry your creative passion, that like uh, with that right brain mentality of creativity with that left brain mentality of work ethic and, and pursue it like you would any career. You know, if you want to be serious, it doesn't just mean writing a good song. It means starting your LLC to make sure your income is being uh, uh, taxed appropriately. It means uh, getting building your connections and book your shows and uh, and and make sure your expenses make sense. Uh, it, it's all that other stuff. So yeah. whatever you're yeah. not doing now, make sure you well you have a well-rounded plan and and just uh yeah work hard and consistently and and it'll pay off. You know that's like with our show. Mm-hmm. You know we launched January of 2020 and we're over 500 interviews right now. Wow. Yeah. Like you, you can't do that without, you can't do that on accident. You know, you have to work at it. <laughs> yeah. It's, in fact, COVID kind of helped that out because, it, you know, um, we, when we launched, it was a couple months before COVID. And then, you know, my, my original plan for last year was a hundred interviews. Thought that'd be a great foundation. And then COVID happens. And I'm yeah. thinking, I'm watching everything get shut down. I told Sandy, you know, this may be a silver lining for us. We can't change COVID. But boy, we can work through this. Yep. And um, because of that, we end up doing over 300 interviews last year. And we're over 500 now. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I think this is a great medium. I think um, uh, the arts, uh, music, acting, all that needs a needs people like yourself that um, that get to kind of get cl- uh, you know personal with the artists so people can really understand. Uh, it's these great conversations that help you familiarize yourself demystify the world yes, that, yes. that people are interested in. And I think that's a great, I think the world needs that long form podcast style of an interview. Um, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking with people, not just and, about music. I, I enjoy all sorts of stuff. And and, and that's why we did the, the, the show is, you know, we could have done like everybody else and made it 15 minutes of pop and all yeah, that, yeah. you know, but I'm, you know, I made the tagline up close and personal because that's what we want our show to get, get up close and personal with each guest. And you can't do that in 15 minutes. Now, granted, there's sometimes where we get a big artist on um, like Scotty McQuarrie and they would only we would oh, we could only get 10 minutes with him. Kind of funny, you know, ironic. Five, we wanted five more minutes, right? And But we could only yeah. get 10 minutes. And sometimes we, we have to give up. Uh, some stuff on the show to get the, some of the mm-hmm. big R's, but we do that because we still want them on the show. But for the most part, we like to go 45 minutes. Right. We do. That's great. I think that's a good, good length. And I think you guys have got your thing down and I'm glad to be part of it. Uh, we appreciate oh, that. Appreciate now, so tell everybody how they can find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You can find me um, through social media on Instagram at, and Facebook at Sterling X Drake. There's an X in the middle because someone took my username of just Sterling Drake. Ah, yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. so don't go there. That's not me. The one with X in the middle is me. And you can find me on uh, on our website at uh, SterlingDrakeMusic.com. <clears throat> Great. You know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today. We look forward to having you back down the road. Yeah, call me up anytime, man. Uh, if I got if I got time carved out, I'd love to do it, even on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes, we appreciate yes. you joining us. And Christmas have a Merry Eve. Christmas. You yeah. too. You too. To your whole camp as well. All right. All right. You have a great Thanks. day. Thank you, guys. Bye. Okay, there.